Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, beginning at verse 5, and it can be found on page 170 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we read of how we receive God's salvation in Jesus Christ and our call to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to those we know. Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with a heart leads to righteousness, for one confesses with a mouth leads to salvation. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22, and it can be found on page 16 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we read of Jesus' authority over the natural world as he walks on the Sea of Galilee. Immediately, he made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, and the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. 
But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. That is it. And I'll pray. Oh, loving Lord, may we, uh, may, may what we've just read and what we hear now bolster our faith as we're reminded afresh of who you are and how you want to use us for your will to be done and your kingdom to come. Oh, we pray in your powerful name. Yes, in your name, Jesus. Amen. I, I'm going to touch on, on both um, our readings. They actually are the lectionary readings appointed for today. And I, I'm going to share with you what I sense God was uh, nudging me to focus on and how we can see in, in what's there uh, our Father God uh, in control and working with authority. You know, we live in, in, in an age uh, in our community, in this island, uh, when for many, God appears to play uh, no part in their lives as far as they're concerned. They may have a sort of what I would call a fleeting awareness of him, uh, but to all intents and purposes, they've excluded him. Yet strangely enough, when life's storms come their way, so often they're quick to blame him. There are even those who actually who believe and have a strong faith who find themselves wondering whether God uh, is in control and, uh, and is all-powerful, om omniscient, omnipotent, when they see the many places in the world, world that are more like uh, hell on earth than heaven on earth, places that are broken, that are divided, that are hurting, where there's poverty, where there's oppression or violence, death. I think very much of the thousands of, of Christians in Ukraine, Ukraine the strongest uh, Christian country in Europe, and how these Christians face each day many faithfully trusting in God, yet crying out, come on God, come on God, take control over uh, this situation that we're in. So though may these folk and may all of us live confidently each day in the knowledge, in Psalm 46 we have it, that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Let's look at Matthew's account of that storm on Lake Galilee. Jesus has gone to the mountainside to pray and he's left the disciples to row across the lake on their own. Suddenly, one of those notorious squalls blows up 
This is a lake which can be traditionally fearsome in the middle of the night when strong winds uh, whip up the waves and the boats are buffeted, bobbing up and down uh, like a cork in water. And understandably, the, the, the disciples are frightened, but we actually read there that they are terrified by the, the, the sight of what they take to be a ghost walking on the water. But it's Jesus, it's Jesus who is coming to them. He who has the authority over all things and who enables Peter to do the impossible and to walk on the water towards him. But Peter has to have faith and trust the Son of God who alone controls the storms of life. He alone who enables his followers to counteract the forces of gravity that would otherwise overwhelm them. Earlier on in his ministry, we've seen Jesus stilling the storm. But here, though, we have a new development in that Jesus comes to them in the storm. He comes in the storm. Jesus walks on the storm, and he invites the trusting disciple to share that sort of victory parade with him. And when Peter steps out of the boat to go to Jesus, he finds that it works. He can walk on the storms of life. But suddenly he wonders what he's doing. He takes his eyes off Jesus and instead he looks at the wind and the waves and he begins to get engulfed. He's beginning to sink. And in that moment, he sets the example for all of us to follow. Oh, Lord, come on, come, come and save me. He didn't wait until he was actually drowning. As soon as he felt himself sinking, he called out to the Lord. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. What did he say to him? Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Little faith, but yet he did call out, Lord, save me. And in that moment, as they climbed together into the boat, the wind died down. And what was their immediate response? All the disciples, in what they'd seen, they worshipped the one who is truly the Son of God. You know, in Matthew's day, when he penned his... Did they pen the, the gospel, or did they write in quill? I don't know what they did. Uh, but when he put the gospel together, the first Jewish Christians were being persecuted for their faith. Their faith in Jesus as the Messiah was under constant attack. And this account was invaluable in bolstering their walk with their Lord. You see, persecution for them was a very real storm in their lives. And there was great fear that often chilled them. For a while, many could cope, even achieve the impossible against the opposition. But they would consider what they were doing, and they would reflect on the size and the power of their opponents. And of course, they began to sink. But wisely, they cried out to the Son of God, 
for his powerful hand to catch them and hold them up. And you know, to us in 2022, we need that reminder of how Jesus comes and continues to come to people in troubled times, in one of life's storms. He comes when we invite him in. Interesting how he says, come to him, and we say, come to us. We invite him in, and he comes to calm fear, to give strength and bring hope. He's the savior, he's the provider, he's the helper, he's the healer. In verse 29, Jesus says to Peter, come, come. And he does so with a command of authority. I wonder if we miss out on that. Come. It's a call that he still makes today to us. A call that he makes to all who hear him. A call to step out in faith and discover what Jesus can do when we come and follow him. And he comes and meets with us. Yes, our God of authority is there for everyone. There is a universal acceptability of everyone in God's kingdom. And how Paul hammers this home in those 11 verses in chapter 10 of his letter to the Romans, which Rachel just read to us. It's, you know, it's a passage, do read it again, it's a passage that should kindle or rekindle perhaps for some of us, our desire to share the gospel with all and sundry and to give us all, not just Ian or me or the Sunday preacher, but to give us all the confidence, the courage and the boldness to work with Jesus to build his all-inclusive church and to play our part in the growth of his kingdom. You know, in those opening verses, Paul refer in this is the Romans reading, in those opening verses, Paul refers to the Old Testament Leviticus, when man was declared righteous through the law. Now, righteousness is by faith. Observance of the law in totality was unattainable. By contrast, Jesus Christ is not unattainable. He's readily accessible. We don't have to scale the heights or plumb the depths in search of him. He's already come and he's lived amongst us. He died and he rose again and he now lives and is accessible to us, accessible to all. Oh, not only easily accessible, but equally accessible. It's there in verse 11 to anyone who believes in him. In verse 13, to everyone who calls on his name. And in verse 12, and there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. No distinction between any. The same Lord is Lord of all. Early in his letter, Paul has pointed out that we are all, we are all sinners. And therefore, all in need of salvation and now he spells out and underlines the availability of salvation to all 
Verse 13 again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know, we could never find a more simple statement of the way for salvation than those words convey. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come along. What use is salvation to those who have never heard it? Paul goes on to appreciate that such good news presupposes a universal proclamation. And in those next verses, verses 14 to 15, we have the heartbeat of Christian mission. It's the heartbeat of Christian mission. Listen to it again. God sends out his servants. They proclaim the good news of salvation. Sinners hear God's offer of life in Christ. And some of those who believe the message, some who hear believe the message, and those who call on him are saved. That's the heartbeat of mission. What a relentless logic in support of evangelism. I'm going to make the case even more forceful, as I almost stated negatively. You know, unless some are sent, there'll be no gospel proclaimed. Unless the gospel is proclaimed, sinners will not hear Christ's message and voice. Unless they hear him, they will not believe the truths of his death and resurrection and the truth of who he is. And unless they believe these truths, they will not call on him. And unless they call on him, they will not be saved. You know, our God of authority who came to this earth in Jesus challenges each one of us again today. You know, he said to those young fishermen, come follow me and... I will make you fishers of men. Throughout his ministry, he repeated those words. Come, follow me. And in the concluded verses of Matthew's gospel, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You hear that? Our God of authority commanding Go, make disciples. The Holy Spirit does the conversion work, but we have a part to play. We are the ones who have come at his invitation and chosen to follow him. We are 21st century disciples, and our God of authority is the one who sends and commissions us We've read how Jesus came with beautiful feet 2,000 years ago. And now he's sending us with beautiful feet. Don't know whether they are or not, but they are beautiful feet as they bring good news to a lost and dying world. We may not have far to go. Are there any 
in our own families, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, amongst our friends, in this community, who are lost and have never heard the good news. You know, our God of authority who meets us in the storms of life is also the one who speaks to us this morning with that same authority as he says to each one of us, go and make disciples. Oh, come on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that invitation to come and follow you and for wanting us to be fishers of men. Oh, give us, we pray, the confidence, the courage, the desire, the willingness, and the boldness to proclaim Christ in all that we do and say and the way we live our lives each day. And to you, oh, be the glory who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord.